Welcome to Food Chat, a weekly show that's all about food production, including farming, ranching, processing, and basically all things involved in getting food from the field to your plate. Now, let's get you reconnected to your food, and here are your hosts, Greg Bloom and Chef Jackson Lamb. Talk about an uphill battle, 2,000 acres of beans and cattle. He don't ever get rattled, he just goes to the sun goes down. Welcome to another episode of Food Chat. Food Chat is all about reconnecting you to food. We've interviewed farmers, ranchers, restaurant owners, people in all kinds of different food-related industries like seafood. Hey, and lately we've had a, a great series going on, ethnic food. So we're glad that you're here today to listen to another episode of Food Chat. And today we'll be talking about organic foods and grass-fed beef and in the studio i have uh scott watley my friend here to talk to us about these items and also charlie our producer is here so hey scott welcome to the show hey greg thanks for having me man it's always great you know i remember when you came up with this idea to do food chat and uh i i really knew it would do well with your your knowledge and just uh, your your ability to communicate about food but, man, when you just look back over the year and time is flying through, man, we're almost three-quarters of the way through a year here. Let's reflect back on some of your interviews you've had. Oh, great. Thanks. Yeah, we've had uh, farmers and ranchers on, the people that are raising beef and um, different kinds of livestock. We've had, we kind of went through the beef industry cycle of your cow-calf producer and your uh, background or the people that own land or have leases in the mountains on government land where the cattle graze. Mm -hmm. People don't realize, you know, you go up to the mountains and you see those cattle. Uh, those farmers don't own that land. That's government land, but the government leases it because those cattle are chomping grass right. so that it doesn't burn. <laughs> so anyway, we've had uh, restaurant owners and chefs, and we're just, you know, really passionate about helping people know how food gets to the table because, you know, basically... Less than 2% of America is involved in food production anymore. Mm -hmm. We're all so dislocated from it, so we don't know <laughs> how food gets to the table. We think it's in a package at the grocery store. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it is, yeah. but, but how to get there, yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right, now, there's a there's a, been a key word, and I don't know when it first started coming out, is this word organic. Mm -hmm. That means a lot of different things to a lot of people, I've found out. Or just ask him, what does that mean to you? You'll get a lot of different answers sometimes. So yeah, right. tell us what it really means. Well, you know, I think that most people see, like yourself, you go into the local grocery store and you see organic vegetables and fruits in the produce. And they're separate than the conventionally grown. And they're usually, no, not usually, they're always more expensive, <laughs> yeah. you know. So... That, you know, that's really taken off, you know, the organic, you you know, when, when I was a kid growing up, Scott, I mean, when you were a kid growing up, could you go into a grocery store and buy an organic fruit or vegetable? I had no idea. I don't think so. Yeah. Even uh, what it was. Yeah, I don't think it was a yeah. thing yet, you know. Uh, but what's happened over the years is that um, many people have become critical of conventional agriculture. When I say conventional agriculture, that's just how things are normally conventionally grown. And in that... With fruits and vegetables, you have to put herbicides and pesticides on them when you plant them or as they're growing. Otherwise, the bugs will chomp on them mm -hmm. and, the, uh, you know, diseases will get them. So then there goes your yield. If you're a farmer, you lost a crop, right? So, um, well, you know, I, I don't know really how it started, but now you go into any grocery store and there's a wide variety of organic fruits and vegetables. And the thing I wanted to talk about today is that you know, is there really a difference in those nutritionally? And is there really a difference 
in those and how they're grown? And the answer is, it depends. But in general, one misnomer, Scott, that people don't understand is they think that an organic fruit or vegetable never has a, pesti a pesticide sprayed on it. That's not true. Yeah. It does. Because if it didn't, it would be half eaten by bugs. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Your portions would be smaller. Yeah, right. and your apple yeah. would be half eaten by some worm. <laughs> you know, so then how do they call it organic? Well, there's never a you know sign that says these products have never been sprayed with the herbicide or pesticide or you know treated. They don't say that. They just say organic. Well, so each state, like I'm in Colorado, we're in Colorado, mm -hmm. every state has a Department of Agriculture. Every department of agriculture regulates what list of pesticides and herbicides can be used for organic and still be called organic, but they're still sprayed with those things. So that's fine, sure. but I just want consumers to know that, you know, that's not true that it's any better for you, really. I mean, nutritionally, an organic apple and a conventionally grown apple, nutritionally, they're the same. But, you know, if you want to pay more because you think it's better, go for it. Right. <laughs> and what do you what are you looking at sometimes? Are we talking like 20, 30, 40% more sometimes? Yeah, it depends on the item. You know, it's funny. With bananas, it used to be a pretty big difference. And now organic bananas and regular bananas are almost the same price. Like, okay. like 69 cents for regular bananas and 79 cents for organic. Well, all these organic bananas are grown, you know, in Ecuador, Central America, not in Colorado. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not in Durango. Not in Durango. Yeah. They're picked while they're yeah. green and they're ripening on the way so we can have them fresh in the store. But yeah, those, those have all been sprayed mm -hmm. with herbicides and pesticides that are on an organic list. And if people don't believe me, all they have to do is Google, you know, what is the list of allowed pesticides and herbicides in the state of blank, whatever state they're in, and they'll see the list or they could call the Department of Ag and say, I need to know the list. Um, because, you know, a lot of backyard growers are asking these questions like, I want to grow vegetables from my neighbors, but my neighbor Betty wants organic lettuce. So, but the bugs are going to chomp on it. Sure. So how do I still have organic lettuce? Right. So, that kind of, yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you this. For the most part, labeling on any foods we look at today, how much um, faith or trust can we put into what's on a label of a package to be truthful? And even can we understand it as just a typical customer? <laughs> yeah, it's a good question, Scott, because, uh, you know, it's all political. Um, you know, you would think that uh, a word like natural would mean something. People, would you rather have unnatural food or natural <laughs> food? Well, I want the natural food. You know? So all labels say natural, but then there's a little asterisk. And then you look at the bottom of the label, and the asterisk will say minimally processed, no artificial, no artificial ingredients added, right? Well, 99% of all food is minimally processed, no artificial ingredients added. You'd have to inject something. Like bacon isn't natural because they inject Right. You know, a solution in there to make it salty, and they, there's a cure. There's a brine, mm -hmm. right? So that can't happen. But chicken and beef and pork, that's all natural, you know. So, But um, we could go on this topic for the rest of the show and do another one. But in general, you can't trust the label. Yeah. Because even, like, the big one, the big elephant in the room, product of USA. Product of USA doesn't mean the product came from USA. 
The sticker maybe did. The sticker did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The sticker. That could be. The sticker. But the food came from Ecuador. <laughs> this product, which is a sticker, yeah. came from the USA. Yeah. I have a whole show on that. If people want to hear an episode on uh, country of origin labeling, we did a show on that a little while ago. So they can go to uh, www.foodchat.us. Foodchat.us. Or they can go to wherever they listen to their podcasts, uh, any format, and look for Food Chat and search past episodes. There is a whole episode on this topic. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. So there is, I mean, can you taste a different? I mean, you think if we lined up organic, quote, fruit or vegetables and took 10 people and let them do like a blind taste test, do you think there would be a taste difference? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think if we did a blind taste test, uh, we wouldn't know. Uh, which ones are which, mm-hmm. you know, as long as we're comparing apples to apples, you sure. know, r- ripe fruit of the same kinds, I think, I don't think so. But, you know, one thing that is hard to argue with, so I I sell organic product, and it's very expensive. And, you know, I run into that organic consumer, that organic mom that's just convinced that mm-hmm. she's only going to feed her family organic produ- produce. or product. She buys at Whole Foods or she goes to Kroger and buys only organic or Safeway, wherever she buys. Fine. And the thing that's hard to argue with as I'm having this discussion with her about, you know, I don't think there's a difference really because there's still herbicides and pesticides sprayed on it, right? Um, she will say this, and this is hard to argue with, but we feel better. Like my son was experiencing X, whatever, mm-hmm. acne, whatever, didn't feel good. But now when we feed him organic meat, organic fruits and vegetables, my son feels better or I feel better. Okay, I can't argue with that. So sure. is that the placebo effect? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll never know. But, <laughs> hey, if you feel better, go for it. But just understand that there is, you know, it's not that different, right. really. And you know, the interesting thing about the industry is, you know, I, introduce, I, I interview farmers and ranchers, people that are growing crops, all kinds of crops. When I have a, a farmer on the show, if I try to have this discussion with them, like, tell me the difference between your organic cantaloupes and your conventional cantaloupes in your other field. They're very careful of what they say. They walk on water. They, they do not want to say, well, we're still putting pesticides and herbicides on the organic stuff. It's just a different list. They are, but they don't want to say that because there's this belief by most consumers, which is actually helpful for them in growing this stuff, that that stuff is not sprayed with that stuff. I hear all the time on social media, I only buy organic apples because they're never sprayed with pesticides. Like, no, that's not true. You need to go visit a farm. Sure. But So the farmers <laughs> don't like this. It's like a taboo subject. Right, yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. I'll bet. All right, so let's get into the meat side of this. And you just mentioned it, organic meats. Right. How, how do we describe that? Well, so very little organic beef very little like scotia not much is grown in the u.s so if you want to buy organic beef just know it's going to be imported and if you don't believe me just go to any costco go to their fresh meat department look at their costco organic meat because they have their own meat plant in california so they they grind it themselves okay and look at the label where the product came from at least costco's honest they do not say product of usa they say where it comes from. It's coming from Central America, New Zealand, Australia, Ecuador, things like that. Really? Okay. Yeah. So organic beef, for beef to be organic, then, you know, it has to be grass-fed, and those fields have to be certified organic, that that grass is organic, and they can't be, like, in a feedlot eating 
grain unless that grain is certified organic. Well, that's very expensive to do. So, um, you know, the United States can't compete with Australia, New Zealand, uh, Central America that has no winter and lots of good grass. So, um, hey, you know, if you want to buy organic beef, fine. Just know that it's imported. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the time it's grass-fed beef. And so the people, you know, it's funny. They do this thing every couple of years the beef industry does, and it's called the Beef Quality Audit. And they do a huge survey, and they pay people to give them feedback on what kind of beef they want. And when they ask people, what kind of beef do you want? People say, I want the beef. If I'm going to buy beef, it better be good. Mm-hmm. It better be delicious it better be flavorful and moist and have lots of fat in it you know so people really want grain fed beef not grass fed beef and most organic beef is grass fed beef right and needless to say with your knowledge you probably see a lot of things on social media with all these different companies that do do, you know they're posting different things and you're thinking like that's not quite being honest with people but we as a consumer, sometimes swallow that sort of <laughs> hook, line, and sinker, don't we? When we well, see keywords, yeah, like and we're there, about. it could be someone that that has some credibility with us, like a doctor or one of these guys that's a nutritionist that mm-hmm. advocates the paleo or the. There's all these meat-centric diets now, right. which are great. I'm all for. A, I've I've benefited myself from a a high protein, low carb diet to try to keep my weight reasonable, you know, and uh, uh, you know. You get some doctor and he says, only eat grass-finished beef because it's better for your body. Nutritionally, no. If you look at the nutritional panel of grass-fed versus grain-fed, it's not. Uh, they just don't like the idea of the high, er, higher fats and higher saturated fats from fed beef. Because, you mm-hmm. know, when you put beef into a feedlot, they marble. That's where you get them to be choice. Very little. You're not going to go to very many retail stores. I don't think you'll find Okay, you could go to 100. You could go, Maybe just go to 10. Okay, that's more objective. Go to 10 retail stores and try to find USDA choice or prime grass-finished beef. You won't find it. Grass-finished beef is not marbled enough to grade because the grading mechanism is all based on the, the marbling in the ribeye. So if you eat a piece of, okay, so you're a hunter. Mm. Yep. You're a hunter. And you're out there, you're mostly hunting, almost, you're always hunting animals that are ruminant animals. If you're hunting, what, elk or deer or antelope, they're ruminant. They're eating grass. Sure. They have a rumen, right? So when you eat those, is there a lot of marbling in those animals? Hmm. There's none. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very little. Very little. Now, and uh, do you ever find this? Do you ever find that you get from one part of the state or the country tastes different than another one? Oh, absolutely. And why do you think that is? The grass? Yeah, the grass. <laughs> yeah. The grass makes a big difference because sure. some grass we know. Because some people talk about antelope. They'll go, oh, they're, they're sagey, you know, in different parts. Yeah. they got a sage taste to them yeah. and all that. And they so, will yeah. if that's what their diet is. Sure. But, yeah, you can pull an elk out of, uh, you know, near Steamboat where there's some good grass mm-hmm. up there, and that thing is going to be tasty. Then you can get a antelope out of uh, eastern plains of Colorado where there's not much to eat out there. And there's just tumbleweeds and dirt, and that animal doesn't eat too well, you know, because of its diet. Well, grass-finished beef is the same way. It's very inconsistent. And I've sold grass-finished beef and grain-finished beef my entire life, 30 years. And I tell people when they want to buy grass-finished beef, I'm like, you might like it today, but the box next week might be different. Because 
the animals might be coming from a different part of the state and eating a different diet. So, you know, if you want high-quality, consistent beef every time, you got to go the grain-finished beef. And the other thing that I want to talk about is this claim that is very untrue that grass-finished beef is better for the environment. Everyone's concerned about the environment right now, right? Yeah, you know, we oh, all, absolutely. We all want to, you know, we're, the whole country is <laughs> spending trillions of dollars to save planet Earth, you know. And we're all supposed to go electric and da-da-da-da-da. But they'll say this with authority. You should eat, you know, grass-finished beef only to save the planet. Like, okay, let's think about this. Grain-finished beef, these animals that are put in a feedlot are put in there when they're about 18 to 20 months. And they're usually in there for three or four months. That animal is slaughtered almost always between 27 and 30 months sometimes 22 months. It just depends on when they're ready. It's all based on mm -hmm. their weight. It's all based on their weight when they get to a certain weight, 1,200 pounds normally. So those animals are on planet Earth for about, let's just say, 24 months, two years. The, gra the grass-finished counterpart, that animal, has to stay on planet Earth another year to be three or four years old to get big enough to slaughter. And even then, they're three or 400 pounds lighter than their counterpart that was put in a feedlot and slaughtered a year ago. So grass-finished beef, here's my point, takes more, more time, more grass, more water, more resources. You know, mm -hmm. it's in inventory longer. It's in, it's in inventory three or four years versus, so how is that better for the planet? You know, it's not. Right. Especially because then that, that animal's like three or 400 pounds less. Mm -hmm. So you don't get as much beef out of it. And that's why if you go look at like a grass-finished ribeye or steaks, they're normally <laughs> smaller. Yeah. And the fat is yellow. And we know from the beef quality audit, people don't like yellow fat because it tastes funny. And that's why you put them in a feedlot and the fat changes from yellow, like on a ruminant animal you're hunting. Mm -hmm. aren't, aren't most of those animals, isn't their fat kind of a yellow color yeah. or tingy? Yeah, yep. That's their diet. But if you put that animal in a feedlot for three months, it would change to white. Interesting. So it would taste different because the saturated fats are now building up. You know, and I just tell people all the time, if you think saturated fats are bad for you, then you really should do, your safe, do yourself a favor and, and read a book called The Big Fat Surprise, Why Butter, Meat, and Cheese Belong in a Healthy Diet. It's a great Great mystery book uncovers big this mystery. Big fat surprise. The big fat surprise. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's a great book. And she uncovers the author Nina Teicholz. She's a person I've interviewed on Food Chat a couple okay. times. She says, you know, it's just not true that saturated fats cause higher cholesterol, cause heart attacks. Mm -hmm. That's all not true. And she debunks all that. So people are listening to this and going, that's not true. Read the big fat surprise and then argue with Nina. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. So, what would be your message to those? folks that just say hey i'm going to continue to buy you know quote tagged organic fruits and vegetables and meats i mean i hate to say wasting money but w what what would be your message to people that are buying it if there's maybe not the difference they think there is yeah well one thing i would say is um consumers need to be a little more um investigative and ask wherever they're buying that product from what makes this apple organic? Mm -hmm. Where do you get it from? How do you know it's organic? I see there's a sticker on there that says organic, but what does that mean? What does it really mean that that's organic? Now, how many people do you think in that store 
would be able to answer that? Not very many, but maybe the produce manager would. Mm -hmm. And maybe if enough people asked the produce manager, he'd find out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guarantee he would. <laughs> yeah, maybe he'd find out. And then he'd be able to say, oh, I got a fact sheet right here. Right. Actually, there's a little brochure right here. And here's the difference between conventionally grown and organic grown. You know, I don't think that's going to happen. But so that's one thing is just and then do some research. You can you can do research online. You can call your Department of Agriculture in your state and say, hey, I want to grow some organic vegetables in my backyard. Um, what what's uh, what, what 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 qualifies as organic? Can I use any kind of seed I want? Is it just the method or is it the seed or mm -hmm. is it? The seed and the method, and can I? What happens when the bugs are eating it? Then what do I do? You know, so I think ask questions. Number one, don't be so gullible that uh, you hear organic is better for you. You know, and you know, save the planet, eat organic. There, there now. Listen, there's a whole bunch of people, and some of them are good, and some of them are not good, right. that make a whole bunch of money off this organic consumer because mm -hmm. they know the organic consumer is going to buy organic. There's that organic mom pushing that cart. You know, that thinks it's better. And they charge more. They make more margin on organic food. Sure. They do. So they know they've got you. So, and they're trying to differentiate themselves. So let's just say you and I own a potato chip company. And we're competing with the big monsters like Frito-Lay. Well, we're not going to get to be Frito-Lay. But we need to differentiate ourselves from, uh, you know, we're going to have the, uh, uh, you know, Colorado Potato Chip Company. They're organic. We're going to only use organic potatoes. So we're going to truly do that. But we're going to charge more for them. And then when we go to market, we're going to try to convince consumers like many do that organic potato chips are better for your kids than non-organic potato chips. And here's why. So it just becomes a point of differentiation from the big monster companies. Right. These little micro companies will say they'll start throwing rocks at conventional agriculture. I see it in the beef industry all the time and the chicken industry all the time. They're saying, oh, don't eat conventional chicken or conventional beef because this organic beef that we sell is better for you. Well, it's not true, but that's their, that's their marketing, mm -hmm. you know. So a lot of it's disingenuous. A lot of it's outright lies. So I would just say, you know, people just be skeptical and ask questions. Yep. Yeah. And you look at these, I don't know if you watch that show Shark Tank. Yeah. But, but you see a lot of people come on there with food products, you right. know. And then what are they trying to do? Differentiate that product from something most of us have eaten all our lives. Yeah. But why theirs is different. Yeah. And how, yeah. And those guys, those Shark Tank uh, guys are sharp. Oh, man. They ask good questions, yeah. and they're not gullible. Uh, a couple of them, you know, are in the food sector. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Kevin, the, the bald guy. For yeah, the, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Wonderful. Mr. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's fun to watch. And they're all fun to watch. But And even Mark Cuban, I think he's in the food sector, uh, sector with some of his investments. And, yeah, they ask good questions. They're mm -hmm. not so gullible. But, yeah, be a Shark Tank guy or you know, person. Yeah, just yeah, ask yeah. questions. Ask questions. We don't ask enough. To we be don't ask enough questions. You. Yeah, we don't ask enough questions. And it could be, you know, a meat label that says, you know, natural or organic or product of USA. You know, well, this is why there's a lot of consumers that know this and then they want to buy their meat directly from the farm. Mm -hmm. That's a great idea. You know, you can go support a, a community garden or a community farm, and then you can talk to the people raising the product. You know, that's a great thing. I love those I those community gardens because 
if you can find one in your neighborhood where there's you know you go work there for a half a day and then you get to enjoy some of the product well you can see how they're growing it sure and they're going to give you the sprayer and say hey go spray that lettuce today like what is it it's a pesticide to keep the bugs from eating it oh what's in it you know ask questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, what's in it? <laughs> yeah so um what do, look into your forecaster glasses here certainly you said it two years ago food prices are going to rise rise meat prices are going to rise and We've seen that mm-hmm. come to fruition, okay? Do you think the quality of our food over the next three to five years is going to go up, or do you think it's going to go down as far as just basic quality of food? I think that's a good question. I think it's going to stay the same or go up, but it depends on the market of some foods. Um, you know, like you know, something could happen like a drought in Mexico and wipe out the avocado crops, mm-hmm. or they could run out of water. There's parts of Mexico, Monterey, that are running out of water. Like, they have no water. Like, they go turn their tap on, there's no water many days. So that's going to affect, you know, uh, the quality of the avocado, right? right? Or we won't be able to get them as much. But uh, I think in general, food will be the same. But food always lags. The price of food always lags behind everything else two or three years so beef is going to continue to get to be more expensive yeah. that has more to do with the size of the herd than anything the beef herd is small right now because during uh, the pandemic and during the severe drought of last year and two years before that you and i are ranchers like we're not keeping these cattle through the sure. winter yeah we have to feed them I mean, hay can't. and hay is expensive yeah. so they're going to market so they thin the herds and that's why one reason why beef is very expensive now we know right now um you know currently that people are eating less beef because it costs too much mm-hmm. they're buying less of it they're switching over to chicken and chicken is plentiful very plentiful yeah you know, you're talking about a, <laughs> a, an animal that's alive for six weeks so they're easy to they're easy to <laughs> that's, you a, know. that's a bummer yeah for a yeah i mean it's it's a short life you know right. uh but uh you know beef for two three years old so it takes longer to produce them so that's why right. it costs more but mm-hmm. yeah i think um i think you know i i think they're predicting the big guys at Rabobank and CoBank, the big banks that have a lot of uh, stakeholders in the ag industry, a lot of loans out to the ag industry, and full-time economists. I, I listen to their podcasts, and they, they say, you know, inflation is going to go up a little more, but it's 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 stabilizing now. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping, you know, it's all tied together. It's just, you know, f- food prices and mortgage prices and interest rates they're really all tied together sure they're really it's all so interconnected because farmers and ranchers are borrowing money and that affects the cost of their products you know and mm-hmm. um interest rates they rose them to slow down um uh, uh inflation and now we're in a recession so now like oh, oh now we got to back off you know <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> <laughs> well you know greg i think you're i know i mean i don't think i know your show food chat um I, I know it's doing exactly what you wanted it to do, and that's connecting people to their food. And I mean, here today, folks, hey, if you take nothing away from this, you know what? Do some research on on products that you are buying, you know, right? Ask at the grocery store and see what's going on and um, and just see what's, you know, see if you're getting what you think you're getting and what you're spending extra money on. Would that be a good way to put it? Yeah, yeah. And if you have the interest and the time, Start growing some uh, potted tomatoes or lettuce in your backyard, you know, because that's fun to do and it's easy to do. And then you'll see how hard it is Mm -hmm. to grow that and keep it watered and keep the animals out of it, you know, the bugs and stuff. So, yeah, that's that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah. So, 
Hey, well, thanks, Scott, for you know being you on bet, the show man. today. It's been yeah, a pleasure. it was fun talking to you. And uh, everyone, listen to our our past episodes of Food Chat at foodchat.us, or you can find them on your favorite podcast app, whether it's Apple or Google or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. You'll find Food Chat just by searching for it. So, hey, thanks for coming on the show today. Thank you. Today's episode of Food Chat is brought to you by RanchFreshMeats.com. RanchFreshMeats.com has the best selection of beef, bison, wagyu, air-chilled chicken, turkey, and duroc pork, and more, all sourced from the family farms and ultra-clean USDA plants that they know personally. Take the mystery out of where your meat comes from and how the animals were cared for and buy your family's meats at RanchFreshMeats.com. Hey, save 10% on your first order by using Food Chat at checkout. Orders over $200 include free shipping. RanchFreshMeats.com. Here's to the farmer that plants the fields in the spring. The turn from green to that harvest honey. Hold one up for the banker downtown. They got him on his feet with handshake of money. Here's to the farmer's wife that loves him every night. Raising a son. Raising a daughter, they gather around the table, send it up to the father. Somehow they get closer when times get harder. Here's to the farmer. The views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect those of Crawford Broadcasting, the station, management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.